You know, judgment is inevitable without repentance. I don't want us to be confused. Without repentance, judgment is inevitable. We must become people who learn repentance. Repentance is simply this. This is it. Presence. His presence. Over everything else. So you're willing to sacrifice. Everything else. For the sake of. Only Jesus. You can be right. But you can't be right. And anointed. You can have it your way, but you can't have it your way and have the anointing. You can do it however you want, church, but you can do it in, in whatever form you want, but it does not mean you're anointed. The only way if you desire the anointing which is defined as the presence of Jesus. If you desire the presence of Jesus it will mean you will have to surrender everything you want for every bit of who he is. You will not be able, we will not be able to hold on to our sin and to hold on to him simultaneously. Sin must die. And the way sin dies is repentance. And in the church today, we have such watered-down anointing. Such weak oil. And you say, stop that, pastor. Stop saying such things. If the oil was true, the dead would be raised to new life. If the oil was strong, blind eyes would open. Addiction would fall off of you the moment you broke the threshold of the property. If the anointing was true. You're going to get a very broken version of me today because I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm so fed up. I'm just sick and tired. 
If one more man of God falls, if one more man of God falls, why? You say, why? Mike Bickle. Why? 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 Because men love darkness more than light, and they're not willing to be honest, honest and authentic and say, I have sinned. It is I, Lord. There's this, there's this thing through the Bible. You'll see it, this story of Jesus where he, he says, one of you will betray me. He says, one of you will betray me. One of you are going to betray me. He says this to an intimate group of his, of his closest followers. He said, one of you are going to betray me. And each of them, you know each of them? Each of them sat around that table and said, is it me? They didn't, they, in that moment, you know, oh, and I want you to, I want you to see that that's the place you want to be in Jesus, where you where you look back at yourself and you say, oh God, search me. Is there any wicked way in me? Is it I, Lord? Is it me, God, who has betrayed you? Not it's Peter, not it's, not it's, it's Matthew. No, no, but it could be me. It could be me who would betray you. There is a propensity within me of betraying you so I ask you God is it me who betrays you and you know the only one who didn't ask himself that question was Judas so if conviction grips your cold lifeless heart this morning I want you to know it is the grace of God God, it is the tender mercies of the Lord that bring you to a place where you can say, I have sinned. It is me. I repent, oh God. But take not your spirit from me. Take everything else from me. Take my pride from me. Take my self-righteousness from me. Take my friends from me. Take my title from me. Take everything from me. But oh God, I cannot do it without you. And that, beloved church, Somewhere along the line, we've lost it. We've rationalized the holy standard of God. Along the way, we've compromised. We've stood in pretense before God and, and offered strange fire. If we're honest, we've offered strange fire. We've had the audacity to climb steps and assume positions and, and pretend to God and cover up what man can't see. But I want you to know God sees today. And God provides a way for what He sees. Amos 7. I'm going to try. I will try. Amos was a shepherd. 
minor prophets, somewhere around 700 B.C., the kingdom is divided. And God sends a message to this prophet. And He says, I need you to go to King Jeroboam. And I need you to tell him, I'm done. It was a time in the history of Israel where they were enjoying peace. There was a lot of comfort. But they had become complacent, indifferent, and entitled. They thought they were owed this pleasant life. And because of the entitlement and the indifference and the apathy and the complacency, they began to take the presence of God for granted. They began to manipulate the presence of God for their own gain and their own benefit. And God wakens the mouth of a prophet, a shepherd down in southern Israel, Judah. He says, I want you to go and I want you to tell King Jeroboam that unless the nation repents, judgment is inevitable. So he goes and he says to King Jeroboam, what the Lord told him to say to King Jeroboam. In the entire book leading up to chapter 6, chapter 7, all the way to chapter 7, is just God sending a message to the nations that surround Israel, telling them to repent, repent, Repent. Jesus' first words when he stepped into his office was what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Why have we made the first words, the directives of Jesus, such a reproach to ourselves? Why do we, why do we see these words of repent as offensive? And he says, repent. And it's almost as if he draws this bullseye to Israel. He starts on the outside and then he he moves to the inside because as 1 Peter 4.17 says, it is time, put it on the screens if you have it, it is time for judgment to begin. For the time has come for judgment to begin. Where does it begin? The The house of the Lord. He sends up, leading up to, leading up to his meeting, he sends this message. Amos, he begins to, to, to declare that God is going to shake the temple. If you read all the way up to that point, he said God is going to shake the doorposts of the temple. And, and the threshold of the temple is going to come tumbling down. Peter also speaks of, of God building a temple. In, in, in Amos' day, the temple was, was, was like 
was there. There were these, there were these temples that were built, these false places of, of worship that were built in the south and in the north. And, and, and these were false places of worship that were built under the, 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 the pretense of, of having a form of godliness but denying its power. And so they were set up and God said, I'm done with the pretense. I'm done with the pretending. I'm finished with it. Unless my people repent, I'm going to cause the temple to crumble. And I want you to see today that that standard still holds true for the church of the living God today. Unless the holy people of God remain and stay in the holy standard of God, He will cause the temple of your heart, the temple of your life will come crashing down all around you. And He says, but He he says this though, and I don't want you to clap at the judgment, I want you to clap at the hope that's found. There's two passages of hope found in this book. Only two. There is one where He gives a vision of a plumb line. And in the late, in the, in the uh, verse 11 of chapter 9, he says, he says these words, and this is what I want you to hold on to. You gotta see these words. Though for those who repent, he says, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. Just two verses in the whole, in the whole book. Find it for me. It's in, it, it, it's in, there it is. In Amos 9, verse 11, he says, but on that day, On that day, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I'm going to repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins, and I will will rebuild it as in the days of old. For those of us who will repent, I want you to know that he is a God of the rebuild. Man, aren't you thankful? Thank you, he just puts it all back together. God, thank you. That I don't know how you're going to put it back together, God. I can't make sense of the rubble of my life that laid around my feet when I, it was my doing that caused the destruction. I can't understand how on earth you're going to put this all back together. But I have good news for you. He will put it back together, even though you can't see a way of how he's going to do it. If you and I will come before him authentically and honestly, if we'll stop touching the holy with hands of carnage, if we'll come to him genuinely, if we'll come before him with repentance on our heart and upon our mouth, then he will take the ruins of your life and he will build a temple with you where he will tabernacle with you forever. If you will repent. And in 7, Amos 7, he gives one vision. And I want you to see it. Amos 7, verse 7, go there with me. Put it on the screen. It says, thus he showed me. Behold, who? Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? It's Jesus. He said, behold, the Lord stood on the wall. He made that wall with the plumb line. With the plumb line, the Lord stands on the wall of Jerusalem and extends the plumb line from heaven to the earth and it touches the earth. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And he said, I see a plumb line. 
And then the Lord said, Jesus said, Behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of who? My people. I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people. And I will not pass by them anymore. The plumb line. What's really significant about the plumb line is it's a building tool. It's a building tool. In the midst of all of the judgment where God says he's going to bring the tabernacle of David crumbling down, he shows the prophet a building tool. As if to say, this, this is the holy standard of God, extended from the hand of Jesus down to the earth. Go tell Jeroboam, this is the standard. I want you to see today that it doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't matter what this world decides. It doesn't matter what laws they pass. It doesn't matter how much they rationalize the sacred. God tells Amos, you go tell Jeroboam, his law is not the standard for my people. And it's time for the church of the living God to realize that God has a standard how a woman ought to love a man. God has a standard how a wife ought to love her husband. God has a standard how a husband ought to love his wife. There is a standard for our families. There is a standard for our relationship. There is a standard of righteousness that does not come from the mouthpiece of man or from the law of man it comes from the mandate of Jesus the standard comes from heaven to the earth and he said this is the standard for my people you can pass whatever lukewarm laws you want to you can make any decrees you'd like to you can call it whatever you want but it will be what I said it will be there is only one standard and that is the standard of the Lord for my people So it doesn't matter. This, this whole world, it, it, it can pass all the laws at once. It can say it's cool to smoke weed. It can say it's cool to kill the unborn. It, you, can, you can pass all them laws you want to. I just want the church of the living God to realize that Jesus stands in heaven and from his right hand extends a plumb line to the earth that says this 
is the standard. Don't you go following the ways of Jeroboam. Don't you go following the cultures of this world. Don't you listen to what doctors and attorneys say. If They, they can't call it. I'm the only one who can call it. If I said you're going to live, you're going to live. If I said you can walk, then you'll walk. If I said you'll be raised from the dead, then you will be raised from the dead. I came out of the grave on the third day. And that when I came out, that was the holy standard for my people. That set the standard on the earth. That said it doesn't matter what happens down here on this world. I'm not mandated by the war, by the laws and the custom of Rome. I'm not mandated by the laws and customs of this world. I hold tight to the standard of my Lord and my Savior Jesus. He is the one of which I will obey. You say it's better to obey you, but I say it's better to obey him. I don't care what you say. I'm still going to listen to him. It don't matter if you put me in jail. I'm still going to listen to him. If you let me out, I'm still going to do what he says to do. If all forsake me, I don't care. I've got one standard in my life. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And if we'll live this way, if we'll forsake everything else, I said, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what they say about me. I was in a hard meeting recently. I don't want to be liked. I want to be anointed. But it's time for us to realize you, you can get likes and sacrifice your soul and the anointing. You can get the affirmation of man if you want to. You can do what pleases your carnal nature if you want to. You can. You can smoke it. You can drink it. You can go and you can do it. But you cannot have him and have that. Because there's one standard, it's the holy standard of God. So a plumb line, all my builders, there's some builders in the house today, y'all know what this thing does. It points to one place. It points to one place. There's one place it points to. It points, it points to one place on the ground. And it says from that place right there, not, not a fraction to the right, not a flat fraction to the left. There is just one place that's set on the earth for my people to live their life according to. And if you build your life according to that one place that I've set up on the earth, then your life will be vertically straight. It will be your life. It's called true. Your life will be true. If your life is built from that one place that I have set up from heaven to the earth, if you obey that one place, you can build as high as you want to, and you will stay true. There was a saying back in my day. We would say to each other, Marlon, you straight? straight. I'm straight. That's that's from the 90s. That's that's from the 90s. Gen X stuff right there. We made that. We made that. Don't just steal that. We made that. You straight? We meet each other. That's the first thing we say. You straight? I'm straight. 
We need to bring that back to the church. You straight? I'm straight. All right, I'm straight. Ron, you straight? I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. My life is built on that one point. I'm straight. I'm straight. I was a little off, but now I'm straight, man. I got it back. Yet the word brought me back. I'm straight. I was crooked when I came in, but the word is straightened me up. I'm straight, man. The doctor said what the doctor said, but man, he got me a little off. But when, when the Lord spoke, it straightened me up, man. I'm straight. I'm straight. I'm straight. This, this, this plumb line represents three things. The word of God, the presence of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Word of God. Jesus is the Word. He'll make you straight. The Word will make you straight. You get a little crooked in your life. You start acting a little carnal with your life. You start recognizing some things are a little awful in your life. Then you just go to the Word. And God, Jesus said, I hold the Word down to the earth. For the Word is me. The Word was me. I became the Word. I was flesh who dwelt among you. If you'll take your life and you'll stop living according to the world's words, because the world, the world will convince you that 99.9% of it seems right. But the world has a way of manipulating words to compromise the holy standard of God, especially for God's people. The, the, the enemy knows if he can get the church of the living God to listen to the words of this world, just a half a percentage. You see, some of us aren't as high as we need to be. We, God's called us higher, but, but we can't go higher because... because we're just a little bit off. We just, we just grab, somebody go grab some more. You see, if God set a holy standard, God set a holy standard, he said, that's the starting, that is the standard for my people. That's where you start. And then you take your life and you begin to build it there. But you compromise. You take a shortcut. You're just a quarter inch to the left. Just a quarter inch to the right. Just one quarter inch. You just walk a quarter inch off. And you keep building off that foundation. You just one quarter inch off. You keep building off of that foundation. You just one quarter inch off. You keep building on that foundation. You're just one quarter inch off. If you, you see, the higher you go, the more judgment comes on the integrity of your structure. And some of us want all, we want the heights. Oh, we want, we want all that God has for us. 
We want all the promises of God. They are yes and amen. But I want you to know that that God will not allow you to compromise the standard and hold the promise because he realizes the higher you get, the more corrupt you become and more susceptible to destruction you become. You're, You're called higher, church. I want you to hear me. I want you to write it down. I'm called higher. I'm called to greater things. You are called to greater things. But those greater things demand a truth in your life. Those greater things demand a straightness in your life. Those greater things demand that you that you build your life upon the rock called Jesus. That you do not compromise. You do none of it for you and all of it for him. He'll use the word. He'll use his holy presence. His holy presence. His person. If, if you... You say, how do I know if I have his presence? How do I know? How do I know, preacher? Preacher, tell me how I know if I've, if I've experienced his holy person. I want you to think back 365 days ago and ask yourself this one simple question. Are you changed? Are you changed? For you cannot experience his holy presence and not be changed. You can experience a religious observation, but his holy presence will drop a plumb line from heaven to earth in your life and you will feel his holy presence beckoning you in to him and when you get inside of him he will he he will he will straighten you up He's, that woman was bent over that church that woman in that in the bible was bent over for all those years when she came into the presence of Jesus she was straightened up by his presence because his presence will not leave you crooked his presence will straighten you out his holy presence will take every thought captive his holy presence will take every imagination and it will straighten it up and conviction the holy ghost he will use god will use the holy ghost it's not an unholy ghost And I want us to thank God for the conviction that comes from the ghost that is holy. I'm so thankful that I still have the conviction of the Lord to ask myself, is it I, God? Search me, God. I can't hold this crown as a king on the earth, as a priest on the earth, and not know God for certain. That conviction will grip your heart, and it will make you straight. It's time to take our lives, genuinely, our entire lives, and check to see if we're straight. I want you to do this. Take your thoughts. Take your imaginations. Take your desires. And take your behavior. Start with your thoughts. It's time. I want you to do this. Write these down. Thoughts, imagination, desire, 
behavior. In that order. If you'll take your thoughts and you'll put them on the line. You know this, you know, 2 Corinthians tells us, put that up there, the scripture. You know this, what this does. It says, it says, we cast down what? Stop, no, no. We cast down what? Pay attention when you start arguing with God. You say, I've never argued with God. It looks like this more than it looks like what you think. It looks like. I rationalize. We do what the prophet Balaam did. We do that. We say, God, can I go? And God says, no. But we rationalize, and we try to manipulate and intimidate. And God says, no, no. I told you the holy standard is no. What I've blessed is blessed, and what I've cursed is good. But we begin to allow our, our thoughts. And I want you to know, you are not in control of your first thought, but you are of your second thought. And if you take more control of your second thought, your, your second thought will start to become your first thought. So you're not in control of the first thought you, you, you think, but you are in control of taking that first thought that's crooked, that's out of line with the word, with the presence, and with the conviction of the Lord. You are in control. Now you've got to take that thought and you got to set it on the plumb line the righteous standard of God you must say out loud what God says to you in your mind you must take that thought and you must make it pay at the cross of Christ you must take it there and say you will surrender no I'm not going to die prematurely I'm going to live out the length of my days in this earth I will not be bound to a wheelchair all the days of my life I know that's the thoughts of man but I want you to know that God says I will raise up the foundations. I will raise up the foundations of the tabernacle of David. Take those thoughts captive. Don't allow yourself to argue with God any longer. Pay attention to your thoughts when they begin to contradict the holy standard of God for your life, for your children's life, for your marriage, for, for your family, for this church, for our communities. It doesn't matter what Jeroboam has said. We take those thoughts captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thoughts that matter are the thoughts that are found in the pages of this book and I will not be caught surrendering and arguing with God and, and being contending with God for what is written already in this holy Bible take your thoughts make them straight take your imaginations you say what's the difference between a thought and an imagination listen a thought a thought is this a thoughts are ideas or opinions formed by experience or learning. Experience or learning. You know you have thoughts that were created by experiences? You've allowed your, your experiences that were unredeemed to create a mindset of unredeemed. And if you don't take your behavior to the cross... If you don't take, I'm sorry, if you don't take your past, your experiences to the cross, then those thoughts will continue to form your future. So these ideas, you, know, you want to know what's wrong with America today? The enemy has infiltrated the thought places and institutions of our country. He was, he was while, we, while we were passive, 
and on the sidelines, claiming to, to want peace, he was violently engaging and encroaching upon territory that we should have set the boundary lines in. But he infiltrated our universities and our classrooms at the earliest age possible, and he began to corrupt the thoughts of a generation. And today they don't know where to stand between the, the Palestine conflict and the Israeli conflict. But the Bible's true. The Bible is clear. If you curse Israel, you will come under the curse of the God of heaven. The Bible is true. But we've allowed ourselves to be deceived by the thoughts of this world. He's corrupted our thoughts. Pay attention to your thoughts. Be the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. How does the kingdom of heaven suffer violence? By the ignorance of a church. The only ones who have the authority with the righteous standard of heaven to push back on the agenda of hell. So it suffers violence because we permit it. Passively or ignorantly, it doesn't matter. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But there is a remnant. There is a remnant who pushes back with more violent force because they understand the holy standard of God and they know the authority they carry in the earth. Your imaginations. Take your thoughts. Take your imaginations. Now thoughts. You say, what's the difference between thoughts and imagination? An imagination is when you use your thoughts to create an image. Your thoughts have power. And your thoughts become really powerful. When you begin to take them and you begin to use them, you put gears to them and you begin to form images in your mind. Once the image is formed in your mind, it has now the authority and the power to bring to fruition the image that was, that was created by the thoughts that you meditated on. Now those thoughts have become imaginations. And Jesus said this, if you just look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. How do I commit adultery? You you saw her in a certain way. You took, the, you took the image and then you began to imagine yourself in a certain way with that image. And now that image, Jesus said, it is just like doing it. I want you to see the power of the church's imagination in the earth today. If we could begin to take righteous thoughts, straight thoughts, holy thoughts, healing thoughts, redemptive thoughts, reconciling thoughts. If we could take these thoughts and we could create in our mind these images we could see a church begin to rise out of the ashes and into revival if we would take our thoughts and create the images of God for the earth God has an image for the earth and anytime we use our thoughts to create an image that contradicts what he what he imagined for us we sin think about the think about that the next time you compromise the image of God for your life Huh? Think about that. 
It is sinful to imagine yourself sick. It is sinful for you to imagine yourself as broken and no good and forsaken and thrown away. It is sinful for you and I to begin to believe and imagine our lives less than what God paid for. He imagined your life so much greater. He said you're going to handle snakes and they won't hurt you. You're going to drink the poison. It won't kill you. He said you're going to lay your hands on the sick. He starts. He said, well, I want you to imagine with me what the world will look like with a church that's full of the Holy Ghost and the mind of Christ who has the thoughts and the imaginations of God in their hearts. Begin to imagine your life better. Begin to imagine your future and your destiny greater than you see it now. For anything less is sinful in the eyes of God. Pay attention to the images that you create in your mind. Watch your desires, your thoughts, your imaginations, your your images. They're so powerful. They create desires, desires, passions, longings, longings, what they create. Go in your Bible. I want you to see this. I'm almost done. Psalm 37, verse 4. What does it say? Come on, read it. So, when I take the presence of the Lord and I'm in the presence of the Lord, I enjoy His presence. I love being with Him. Then He said, when when you're with me, I will take your carnal desires and I will make you have my desires for your life. The more you're with me, the more I'm able to straighten out your, your lustful desires, your sinful desires. If, you spend, if you'll delight yourself in me, I'll take those desires that the enemy wants to use to destroy your life, and I'll take those desires and I will straighten your life. James 1.15. This is, this is where it gets scary. He said, when when desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? And when, when when sin is full grown, it kills. When desire has conceived, you've got to pay attention to your longings and your your desires. Because if you don't pay attention to them, they'll kill you. Men, listen to me. Men, listen to me. You better start paying attention to your desires. Because your desires, it wants to have sex. It desires intimacy with opportunity. And if you don't watch your desires, oh, your desires play you, man. Your desires play you. Your desires will put you in places and set you up for the death shot. Your desires will take you to places you never thought you would go. You'll never see yourself. I never thought I would end up in a hotel room. I never thought I would. But what happened? You didn't pay attention to your desires. And you didn't realize that while you were being passive with your desire, your desire was wanting to conceive with opportunity. 
It was looking and seeking for an opportunity to destroy you. And that destruction brings tumbling down the sacred temple of God. But instead, we should take our desires to God and say, God, search me. Correct my desire. This, this, this wrongful passion. Take it. I repent. You see, now you begin to see that repentance is the only way to bring correction to what is crooked. It's repentance. We, we must be. We enter the narrative arrogantly, church. We enter the, the, the narrative with God arrogantly as if we have arrived. But Jesus, Jesus referred to his, his believers, his, his friends. You know, he didn't call them, he didn't even call them believers. You know what he called them? Come on, tell me. Disciples. Jesus called his friends disciples. He didn't call them little versions of him. He knew better. He knew, he knew Troy, you are not a little version of me. You are broken to the core, homeboy. You need, you need Jesus. That's what Jesus said to me. You need Jesus. You need Jesus, Troy. So you must understand, you entered that narrative with the, with the understanding that I am not what I used to be, but I am far from being what he called me to be. I am in the process of discipleship. I am learning. I am learning today. I am growing today. I am in the process of correction today. There are some things in my life and in my heart that need corrected, so I don't enter the narrative as if I have arrived. I enter the narrative with the understanding that I I'm yet perfected, that I'm growing in the fullness of the image of the one, of the king, of the glorious one, Jesus. I enter the, the narrative with humility, not pride. I come in saying, I am broken, I am diseased. My thoughts are perverted. My heart is corrupted. God, I need you. I can't do it without you. I don't presume to take a step without you any attitude gives place for desires that want to conceive and bring death any other attitude our attitudes matter attitudes are a greater indication of of altitude than aptitude I would rather I don't care what you know I don't care how, how biblically thorough you are. You give, me a, you give me a disciple who thirsts and hungers and longs for the word of God. I don't, don't give me somebody that thinks they know already. Give me somebody that says, I'm not, I don't know. I'm ready to know. Oh, God, teach me, teach me, teach Give me one of those. Don't give me somebody with a terrible attitude. Give me somebody with the attitude that says, I'm, I'm here to learn. I want to grow. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I'm going to be. But I'm in process. What, what must happen? And it's so, it's, so, it's so amazing. The children of Israel in Numbers, you can put that scripture up there. I want them to see it. In Numbers, it says of the children of Israel that they wore. Look, it says you shall have the what? 
you have the tassel. Have you ever, if you drove in, you probably saw some Orthodox Jews walking around. And if you go to Israel, you'll see it. What do they have on their sides? They have these little, I always thought that was dope. I'm, I'm going to go get me some of that, man. I got the, I'm just going, I'm going to get me some tassels. You know what I mean? Just little tassels hanging down by my knees. I'm like, that's really cool. And you know what they stand for? The righteous standard of God for their life. Those tassels are there to remind them when you look upon them, when you look at the tassels that hang from your belt, they're there to remind you so you remember the commandments of the Lord that you will do them and not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. I want you to see that your heart and your eyes have the desire of harlotry. So you must put around you a public confession. We must wear Christ outwardly. See, some of us are still in the closet with Jesus. Some of us ain't willing to sell all out for Jesus. But it's time for the church of the living God to come out of the closet, wear the tassels of God, and begin to proclaim boldly, this is who I am, and this is what he said, and I don't care how much you tell me it's wrong. I know the holy standard of God. It doesn't matter if you believe. I know the holy standard of God. And then lastly, your behavior, your thoughts, your imaginations, your desire, and your behavior. <laughs> this, this, see, we, we're always trying to fix what we do. You're right. Your behavior. If I could just fix, if I could just not do that, then I would be better. That's the lie we tell ourselves. You know, I want you to know, this is a lie, and I'm, I'm sorry, this might hurt. This, this is going to hurt, but it's, it's good for you. This is going to hurt, but it's good for you. You know, you know what I mean? This is going to hurt, but it is good for you, right? Stop lying to yourself and telling yourself that you are not what you do. You are exactly what you do. You are lying to yourself when you say, I'm not that, but I do that. If you sleep around, you're that. If you do drugs, you're a drug addict. If you drink, you're an alcoholic. No, 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 that's not really who I am. No, no, you're lying to yourself. People are what they do. You are what you do. You wouldn't call, if a guy walked up in here and he had on a... a, 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 a he worked for the city, you wouldn't call him the president because he works for the city. He's a city worker. He is what he does. And it's time for the church to realize you, you are what you do. And maybe it's best if we just go ahead and confess, I'm no good. I'm not okay. I'll say it first so you feel comfortable, more comfortable saying it. There ain't nothing good in Troy. There is not anything virtuous in me unless I'm in him. If I'm not in him, you don't want me. You better stay away from me if I'm not in him. Jacob still lives in me. I'm fearful of what I know is in me. And some of y'all ain't afraid. You ain't afraid of the one that's in you. And you don't realize the destructive force of sin that worketh in you. But if you were to be honest, you'd look at that mirror and you would know the filth. You would know the foul. You would know the foreign darn, 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 diggity, boo You would know where you were. 
That was for Marlon. <laughs> I look in that mirror every day. <laughs> I know. I look at Marlon sometimes. I'm like, bro, you, is it okay? I don't, you think they know? <laughs> you think they know? Sometimes I look out and I think they know. I was no good. I did stuff out of my nature. I, I could, no, no, I, I was what I did. I was a womanizing Drinking and smoking and just no good. I was looking, I was looking for sin. And if you think you're above that, you better get to the cross, man. There is none righteous, no, not one. Everybody. Your behavior comes from your being. I'm closing. Your behavior is who you be. Stop trying to fix what you do and start trying to fix who you be. If you be in Christ, you be a new creation. If you be born again, you are born again. But if you be in the world, you are that. You be that. But if you be in Christ, for whoever is in Christ is a brand new creation. Stop trying to fix what you do. Stop trying to put the bottles down. Stop trying to smoke the cigarette. Stop trying to look at the things. Stop trying to do those things and start being who Christ called you to be. Just start being with Jesus. Just start straining up your life with the presence, the Word, and the Holy Spirit of God. And you will, you will stop doing. And I'm sorry that I didn't tell you that. I don't want that. I, and that, was, that You know I love you, but here, come on, I'm going to walk you down because that is not how I wanted us to close this, okay? I love you. Sorry. Sorry. I, I, I saw you coming, but I was in the middle of a filth foreign Philly bow. So, So what, what I want to do today is, is something very simple. And uh, what I want you to do is this. Just come on, come here with me. I know there's, there's distractions all over the room. Nobody move. Nobody move. Nobody move. Everybody stay still. Everybody stand to your feet. I want you. I don't want no sound. I don't want no music. I don't. So the altar call today. But God, God wants to restore the temple. He wants to, he wants to repair the tabernacle of David. And judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So this altar call is not for the congregation. It's for the leadership. It's for us. Because 
if it's going to be straight, it starts here. If it's going to be straight, it starts here. It starts there. It starts here, here, there. If it's going to be straight, it's got to be straight here first. And, and I'm so sick and tired of leaders who care more about their image than they do about God's presence. And if you care more about what you look like, I invite you to leave. If all you care about is, is what they think of you, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong business. You don't belong here. The, the judgment that comes upon the leadership is more severe than that which comes upon the congregation. Because he expects us to know the holy and righteous standard of the Lord. So no music. Well, maybe something. I mean, you could play something back there, you know. But this is just a simple altar call. If you're a father, you're a leader. Listen to me, men. If you're a father, God's called you to lead. We cannot allow fathers to be compromised in the house of the Lord anymore. If you are a man, God has put upon your shoulders the holy standard for the earth. You are the example to young men. You are the example to young women how a man ought to treat a woman. So I'm asking you to simply come to the altar, spend a few moments there, and ask God, am I straight? Where am I not straight? Come. Leaders, come. Leaders, come. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want. Jesus. Search us, oh God. And I want to say, holiness, holiness, what I want for. Declare and decree today, as we come to the altar of the Lord, your word is our standard. Your presence is our standard. Your Holy Spirit is the truth. We repent, O oh God. We repent, O oh God. We desire to be straight. We desire you more than we desire anything this world has to offer. Search our hearts, oh God. See if there be any crooked way in me. 
Make every crooked path straight right now. Take every thought that ever argued with you about what I thought about and make it straight. Make it obey today. Take every desire, every desire in my life that's impure or perverted. I surrender every, every desire to you today. I say make my motives pure and my heart genuine. Take my imaginations, O oh God. The images I draw, I God, I want the image that I have for the earth to match the image that you have for my life. Take my imagination and now use it for your glory. I pray for the church of the living God. I pray, God, that as we come to you and we repent, that signs and wonders would return to the church of the living God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come in our gatherings as we worship before you with purity and honesty, God, that you would reward us with the power that comes accompanying your presence. Oh, God, we ask for the dead to be raised, lives to be transformed and saved by the power of the glory one named Jesus. We ask, oh God, that blind eyes would be open, that cold heart would crumble, and that warmth would once again beat in the chest of those that come into the, the holy presence of Jesus because of our gatherings. We worship you, Jesus. We repent today. We repent today and we declare we will live lives of repentance we won't presume or pretend any longer. We won't go out on Friday night and then ask for you to join us on Sunday morning. We will live holy and blameless before you. We will surrender all that we desire for all that you desire in the earth. We give you our hearts and our lives today, God. We say be glorified. May our families know the genuine touch of Jesus. May our children know the authentic presence of the Holy One from Israel. May the fire that burns in our lives be so evident that it warms cold people around us. May the conviction of God be so powerful among us that it draws all men to you, Lord. May there be such an image in our lives created by your presence that they can't tell whether it's us or you, Jesus. We surrender. We surrender fully in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you. Church on the North Coast. Thank you.